0: was kind of like the time kind of, well, I'm from Chicago, my name is Alright, good morning everybody. Hope everybody is good and full and as warm as possible this morning. Can I start out with a quick reminder, those of you that have been around for the last little bit, we've been in a series on faith. Anybody remember that? It's been around? The definition of faith, complete trust and confidence in someone or something. And our hope here uh, as the church at Southside is that everyone here has chosen to put that faith that you have in Christ. We've said it all along that you have faith in something, and we hope that that is Christ. And so last week uh, we were in Hebrews 11.32, this week we are in Hebrews 11.32 again, I think for the fifth time uh, in a row, because if you remember it as this verse, I'll read it for you here. It says, and what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, and today, David. I want to talk, talk to you about King David this morning. Uh, Brantley and I were talking just a second ago. Where's Brantley? There he is. He's, in, he's the only one out here in shorts. I knew I could find him quick. Which is also a bonus thing. Don't trust the weathermen. They don't know. Just walk outside and feel it. And then... Go on and come out here. All right, so uh, I want to tell you, though, we were talking about it. Anybody ever heard the expression that David is a man after what? God's own heart. Wouldn't you love it at the end of the day if somebody said, man, that, your name, I'm going to say Keith. I've told you about the honor society thing right before. That's one of my favorite stories. Back in the day, long time ago, I'm in high school and they do this thing where they're tapping the honor society and the rest of us are, the you know, not the honor society folks are sitting in the bleachers. That's where I was at. But I had enough sense to know what they were saying. The lady's out there and she's doing a whole spiel and she says, I want you, we're going to say the pledge of the honor society, right? You're, you're tapped in, you're welcome, you're here. And they had them all out there and they said, I state your name. All of the smartest people in the school stood out there on the gym floor and said, I state your name. That's not what I'm talking about, all right? So don't do that. Don't be like them. Let's have a little common sense. So I'm going to say, Keith, you say your name. But wouldn't it be wonderful at the end of your life, it said, Keith, a man after God's own heart. But here's even the beautiful thing. Brantley brought this up. I mean, if you know the story of David, a liar, a cheater, a murderer, And yet, it's written twice. Did you know that? Old Testament and New Testament. The Old Testament, I'll read it for you here. 1 Samuel 13, this is a little bit about David before we look at the one big example, I believe, of his faith. But 1 Samuel 13, 14 says this, the Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. It's talking about the new king, the king that was going to be David. I am seeking out a man that seeks after me, that is a man after my heart. Now that's the Old Testament. And that's the Old Testament looking towards King David and looking at him before he had made all these mistakes and all these things that had happened. But then we get to the New Testament in Acts, and it says this, I have found in David, the son of Jesse, a man after my heart. So even after the mistakes. Isn't that good news this morning? Anybody made any mistakes out here? Today? Yeah, right here. Will tomorrow? Will the next day? But man, I'm so thankful for God's grace that we can still be considered a man after God's own heart. A man who was an adulterer, a murderer, a liar. Two times. In the Old Testament, New Testament. A man after God's own heart. I want to tell you this. I have always contended. I believe that is because David was one tremendous sinner, but I also believe he was a tremendous saint. Anybody Johnny Cash fan out here? I know Brian is. I love Johnny Cash. Man, I've read more books on Johnny Cash than probably anybody I ever have. Love his story, and one of the things I love the most, tremendous saint, tremendous sinner, right? Like the highs and lows and seeing God's grace and how that all plays in their life. I think that was David's, and I also think another one was this, This is someone who sinned big, but David also repented big. I mean, man, go and read the Psalms. Most of the Psalms are David pouring out his heart to God after he's messed up yet again, right? Creating me, what? A clean heart. Some of these things that David says, man, you can just listen to the wording and the way he talks. He has this very, very intimate connection with God. Even in the midst of him being at the lowest lows. Created me a clean heart. So that's some of why David is considered this man after God's own heart. But to understand David and his greatest act of faith, spoiler alert, it's going to involve a giant. Uh, but as we look at that, I think it's so important to go back a chapter before and kind of see the explanation of, of David being anointed king uh, first before we get to this monumental verse Uh, heading into today's story. And if you don't remember the story, there's a, a prophet, a man by the name Samuel, and he is told by God, I am done with Saul the king. There is going to be a new king, and it will be that man after my own heart. You know the story, right? And so Samuel goes, he's told to go to Jesse's house, the father of David. There's also many other sons that are there. And if you remember the story, Samuel is walking through, and even Samuel, a prophet of God, a man of God, is caught up in the way people look, the way they act, the way they carry themselves. And Samuel sees some of the sons go by, and if you'll remember, Samuel even has these moments where he says, surely that right there is the king. If anybody here looks kingly, it's that guy, right? Like handsome, tall, like he carries himself well. That surely looks like a king. And if you know the story, God says, no, that's not who I've chosen, right? And they go by one by one, one by one. None of them are going to be the new king. So much so that Samuel says, is this all your sons? Because I know I had the word to come to Jesse's house. This is what even Jesse and the other brothers thought of David. Well, there is still one more, but he's out tending the sheep. Like surely you're not talking about him, little old David, like not much to look at short guy, you know, like David, and Samuel says, we're not going to sit down till he comes, like we're going to see him. And when he comes, here is this amazing verse, and listen. It is a beautiful verse for us out here today, right? I think it's one of the most beautiful verses in all of scripture. First, Samuel 16:7. This is what God says to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or his height or his stature, because I have rejected him. For the the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at what anybody know. Anybody recognize? There's a truck going off behind me. I, I just there's an elephant in the room. I just wanted to say it. it it's okay. It's it's fine. Everybody. We've had much worse out here, right? Nobody's, you know, fighting or anything like that. But the Lord looks at what? Doesn't look at outward appearance. What does He look at? The heart. The the inner person, the inner self, the soul. And so that's what Samuel is telling, uh, that's what God is telling Samuel when David is there. Don't look at his appearance, right? Like that's what you've been doing. That's kind of the status quo. If someone was going to go to a group and say, let's pick out a king, you're going to go through and see how they carry themselves, how they look. Do they look kingly? Right? But he says that's not the way it works in God's economy. Don't look at the outward appearance, but look at the heart. And so I think this is very important to set up this whole David and Goliath thing. Can I just share this? I grew up in church. I'm grateful for that. It was a traditional church. Had a steeple on it, stained glass, all that stuff. By the way, you know we had a company reach out to us and wanted to check and see how our stained glass and steeple was, and I was so tempted to see if we couldn't get stained glass put on that truck. Steeple rolling down the road. Wouldn't that be beautiful? Maybe one day we'll do that. Just cut out some stained glass all through there. But as I grew up in church and I'd go to Sunday school as as a young boy, I remember sitting around and if if you're like me, you remember like the little flannel graphs and they would do the little stories and all this. And you know, most of them I remember were about this. Jesus is uh, the Savior. He died for you, right? Great stuff. But then it always kind of turned to Jesus with just a lamb on His shoulder. And then it was like, I want you to be a good boy. I want you to follow the rules. And this is what we can learn from Jesus. You know, typical stories that doesn't really translate great to a young boy's heart, right? Like it's to be a good boy, behave, all that. Like, you know, I get it. But then you come to a story like David and Goliath. Man, you want to talk about like just bringing you alive. Like as a child, even still, like reading this story is just something crazy to me. And and it reads like this, a a movie. I mean, this this is a Hollywood script. If you were to read this, you'd say, man, this would sell, this would be a great movie so here's the starting of it it's in 17 it says the philistines gathered their armies for battle seems like we've been in a lot of war lately in the scriptures right when we get to some of these faith things good shot all right so we get to a place and it says that the philistines are gathered around and they are ready for battle okay i want to set the stage even more It says, Saul and the men of Israel were gathered. So you got two groups gathered, right? The Philistines, you've got Israel. Everybody tracking with me? Even more so, listen to this, verse 3. It says, the Philistines stood on the mountain on one side, Israel stood on the mountain on the other, and there was a valley in between. You get the picture? Big group of Philistines over here, big group of Israelites over here. Mountain, mountain, valley in between. There's a battle going to ensue. You know the story but then you get to verses 4 through 11, and it says that there is this man, Goliath, right? And it says because he would come out daily and he would yell at the Israelites, basically like talking trash, he's like, You're not going to ever beat me. And it says that King Saul and all the men were greatly afraid. Like it's just this standoff that the Israelites are over there listening to this giant of a man. Some some scholars say even the height that they talk about Goliath that up to nine feet, nine inches tall, right? I mean, this huge man, and he's out there with, if you want to get into further math, it says this, that even the weight, the armor that he wore weighed 150-something pounds, just the thing that he wore on his chest. He had a spearhead that weighed 16 pounds itself, just the head of the spear. And so this is this huge guy and he's standing there and he's talking trash and he's saying, you got nobody that can beat me and basically you know it. Right? And it says the Israelites are over there and it says that even the king, even their leader, even great King Saul is standing there greatly afraid. You're looking at the situation. There is supposed to be this faith in God, this complete trust and confidence because This is God's chosen people that has bailed them out time and time again from battles, from all these things that have happened, these bad things. There always seems to be this impossible way out, yet God. Anybody ever feel like that, man? Just life like seems impossible, but God, right? It's two of the most beautiful words, right? But God. He can can handle a lot of stuff that we get in the way of, mess up, Try to have faith in our own ability. God comes through. So, something was different though. In this setting of the stage of this story that you know, Goliath comes out again, verse 23. But this time, here's what it says it says, He spoke the same words as before, and David heard him. So, David asked the question, says, well, what will the guy that kills this giant get, right? Like he's, he's wanting to know, like what, what are y'all going to do about this? What happens to the, to the man that goes out and defeats this guy? And there's even this story that, that goes along. It's such a long scripture, like you can't read all this today, but there's a place where one of David's brothers, Eliab, is there, and he's like, what, are you going to go out like you're a shepherd, right? Like even still putting him down. And David even has this moment of like, what did I even say? Like I'm just asking a question and you're you're on me, right? So I want you, it's so important to realize that David is this just shepherd, just small guy, right? I mean, he is this one, is tending sheep, he's not really even supposed to be at battle. He's visiting and bringing supplies. He's bringing food. He was not a warrior. He was a shepherd. Yes, he talks about some of the things he did that he struck down the lion and all this stuff when they would come after the sheep. But he said... He's not a warrior. He is a shepherd, but he's asking this question. In faith, what happens to the man that kills this giant? I want to read to you the verses of the fight that you well know. Hey, it shut off. Amen. Anybody else was annoyed by that? It was a little bit. Somebody said they're still annoyed. at you, Keith. Thanks. I took a sip of my coffee on that one. All right, here's the fight. You know the story, but it's so good to read the living word of God. So, verse 31. So, David had asked this question. It says, When the words that David spoke were heard, they were repeated them before Saul, and he sent for him. And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight this Philistine. And listen to what Saul says probably rightly so, just looking at the situation, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are but a youth, and he has been a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep sheep for his father, and when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. And David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go and the Lord be with you. Then Saul clothed David with his armor. He put his helmet of bronze on his head and clothed him with a coat of mail. And David strapped his sword over his armor and he tried in vain to go for he had not tested them. Then David said to Saul, I cannot go in these for I have not tested them. So David took them off. And he took his staff in his hand. He chose five smooth stones from the brook and put them in his shepherd's pouch. His sling was in his hand and he approached the Philistine. And then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with sword and spear and with javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you down and cut off your head. Anybody with me on that whole uh, Jesus with the lamb over the shoulder and the little boy here, and I will cut off your head. That is a story that plays for a little boy. I can tell you that. He says, I will cut off your head and I will give the dead body of the host of the Philistines this day and the birds of the air to the wild beasts of the earth. And all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel and that this assembly may know that the Lord saves not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's and He will give you into our hand. And the Philistine arose and came out and drew near to David, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in the bag, took out a stone and slung it and struck the Philistine on his forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face to the ground. And so David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling. A stone struck him and killed him. And there was no sword in the hand of David. David ran, stood over the Philistine, took his sword, drew it out of his sheath, killed him, and cut off his head with it. Man, you talk about 10-year-old Keith Aiken sitting in a Sunday school class. Yes. Little bitty David, the shepherd, right, that nobody expected to do it, and he's standing over this giant champion, and he's got his own sword that he used to cut the guy's head off, and he's now holding the head of the giant up. I mean, I will tell you, got to be some kind of primal scream in that. I've never held a human head in my hand but I must say, if it got down to that situation happening, it's like, ah, right? Like William Wallace stuff. I did it. I cut his head off. Right? Beautiful words today at the church of Southside, talking about beheadings and all this stuff. But this is a beautiful story. I want you to think about it, man. Everybody in their life, at one time or another, it may not be nine foot nine with 150 pounds of armor but we've all faced things in our lives, right? Some would even say, yes, that was a giant in my life. Be it addiction, be it sin, be it a, a, a disability, be it you know, just the lot in life, be it a curse that family has done, wounds, things that have happened. But here's where I want to ask the question this morning. Here's where the faith of David, the rubber meets the road and meets with us. Can I tell you this? David did not stand there. Even though he had had been this shepherd, he had killed the lion, he had killed the bear, he'd done all these things, his ability was not what he had faith in. His position was not what he had faith in. He could have just said, I've been the one that's been chosen to be king, so I know I'm going to beat him. Right? It was none of that. In fact, he even says that. He, He looks at this nine foot nine inch giant and he says this, you come at me with sword, spirit, and javelin. I'm coming to you in the name of the Lord. That's what I need. But can you imagine young David going down to the river and he bends down and he's picking up the five smooth stones, like carefully selecting them and putting them in his pouch and saying, I'm, I'm really, I'm going to go to battle with the and stone and like, God, this is on you. This is what you're telling me to do. And, and even to the point, I just always found it comical of like picturing David in this armor trying to walk around and this is all clunky and he can't walk and he's like, I can't do this. You can almost feel the moment of David saying, this isn't me. This is not what I'm having faith in anyway. Like this dude's going to die. God's got it. Man, if we could have that kind of confidence to face anything this life brings and say, you know what? It's not in my ability. It's not in my, my position in life. It's not in what someone else could do. It's not in a government. It's not in anybody. But I'm going to trust in God. I mean, that's why we come to a series like this. I've had people ask, well, what did you, why did you choose faith? Well, one, God led us to that. But also in the midst of everything we have to deal with in this world, the hope that your faith would be put in Christ because we feel like that's the best way. Everybody that had a hand in putting this thing together is people that have tried it their own way, still screw up every day, hang out with us, you'll find that out. But we trust in God. You don't think God didn't dream this thing up? This is not of man. Why did He do that? So we can encounter people and tell them there's a better way. It's faith in Christ. You don't believe me, let me ask you this. Anybody out here ever tried it your own way? How'd that go for you? Boy, and even in the moment, that might be okay. It might feel like, man, this is really working out. And then it hits you, right? Then all of a sudden you feel like the prodigal. But good news, when you are the prodigal, you know who's waiting? The Father. And He's waiting not for you to come with this rehearsed speech. I I love that aspect of that. It says the prodigal, when he's coming back, he squandered everything and he's coming back and it's rehearsing his speech. He's rehearsing his apology. He never even gets to say it because the father runs and greets him and cannot stop kissing him. There's somebody here today that's the prodigal, man. You put your faith in all kind of stuff. You put your faith in your ability. You put your faith in any kind of situation. You put your faith in the... Listen, listen to me this morning. You've put your faith in that if I could just. And what I mean by that is if I could just get that job, if I could just get off the street, if I could just get that girl, if I could just get that guy, if I could just whatever, and I'm going to tell you when you get that, if it's not rooted in Christ, the next thing is going to be like, that wasn't it. That didn't fix it. It's putting your faith in something in someone else other than Christ. And so David's faith wasn't in a sling or stone or his ability, but complete trust and confidence in God. I think the key verse is this. I want to read it one more time in closing. David says to the Philistine, you come at me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord. So his faith was in God. I ask you this question this morning. Where is yours? Your own ability, the government? The if I could only, or is it in Him? If I could just say this plainly, my prayer and my hope is that you put your trust in Him and don't stop there, but you walk daily in that faith. Because here's the thing with faith. Somehow in the church, we have really messed up. And we have taken faith as this singular moment in time of saying, you know what? I do have faith in God and I believe that He's the the way to go. And I I need a Savior. So that's my faith. And that's where I'm at. And we've let it stop there. Do you realize that faith is something that we got to daily rely on? Because if not, you get in the habit of this, well, my salvation's secure, but I'm going to walk life on my own. I'll do it my own way, Right? Anybody been there? I've been there this week. (laughs) You know? But His way is best. So where's your faith this morning? Is it in someone or something else other than Christ? And I pray that you examine this morning about putting your faith and trusting Him for the first time or just renewing that faith and saying, man, I'm I'm even more in. I'm going in this week daily walking in that faith. And so let's do that like David. Not in uh, a sword or spear. Not in something else, but in... The Father. So let's pray this morning. Father, my prayer is that everyone here knows you as Lord and Savior. If not, today would be a wonderful day to put their faith for the first time in you. For those that have, we thank you for that and just pray that you, uh, even in the midst of a couple of things we can learn today, that in the midst of our worst moments, uh, that's not the final say and that we could still be called men and women after your own heart. David wasn't the only one that was called that. I believe that you think that of all of us that love you, that trust you, that try to walk in faith. And so help us with that to know you. Help us to know you better. Help us to walk in faith better more than just that singular moment of salvation, but that we just walk in faith daily, that we walk in step, in unison with you. Jesus, we love you, and Jesus, we need you. I thank you for my friends that are here today. I pray your blessings over their heart that you grow uh, each of our faiths uh, just uh, more in love with you. We just pray and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.